Welcome to Factor Magri, dedicated to New Zealand's primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and producers, industry, the science community, and policy makers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. You know, I get dozens and dozens of emails and messages per week. 90% are overwhelmingly supportive and encouraging of my work. I get the odd curveball message and the odd message asking why I keep going on about farm sequestration and afforestation. The answer is quite simple. These issues are feeding into the biggest challenge this country is facing, and it's not just farmers that will be affected by these changes, but every New Zealander will be negatively impacted by policymakers allowing the ETS to continue in its current form and the incautious emissions tax being considered by current policymakers. So I will continue to discuss these critical issues. So on that, this week, farmer Mike Butterick joins me for a chat. He joins me now. Hello, Mike. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, Angus, how are you? I'm really well, thanks. Good, good. The old Norwest getting into you down there? Yeah, it is blowing. It's uh, blowing quite hard, actually, drying things out by the minute. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, we've got to be careful what you wish for sometimes. We've been wet, wet, wet up here, and um, and then all of a sudden it's just stopped raining, and the ground's baked, and um, and, and the grass is actually um, very, very slow out of the blocks. Yeah, right. So we're farming just out of Marston in the Wairapa, so we've got yep. a, a irrigated block just a couple of k's out of town, and then we've got a hill country block um, another sort of 20-odd minutes out of town towards Castle Point. Yeah, okay. So are you um, prominently breeding uh, and you've, do, you, yeah, she, do you finish yeah, your own project? Yeah, sheep and beef, um, Angus. So we've got, um, we trade a lot of bulls, fattened yep. quite a few bulls, and um, and then we've got a breeding flock of ewes and yep. um, finish those lambs and then trade, trade a number of other lambs as well. Yeah, good one. So what's happening currently on the farm and how's spring going? Yeah, it, it's, yeah, as I was saying, it's it's been an incredibly wet winter. And um, and I think it probably started back way back in February when we had pretty significant rainfall and the water table's been high ever since. So everything subsequent to that's just sort of been topping it up. But yeah, I mean, grass growth's been pretty poor, mm. would be fair to say. Um, just because it's not soil temps or anything like that, it's just been too wet. Yeah. And then in the last couple of weeks, good old Norwest turned up mm. and uh, it's gone bakey on top. And um you know, people are struggling to get uh, the tractors are only just starting to hit the roads now. Yeah. So we're certainly a wee way behind. Yeah. So you're a bit behind. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, look, I really appreciate your time, and I'd like to chat about some of the challenges facing farming and farming communities at the moment. Now, of course, Hiwaki Ekanoa put forward a proposal for farmers on tackling emissions to the government. As a farmer, what did you make of the government's response? to that proposal, particularly around their changes to the types of sequestration that they recognise or lack thereof, and of course that the current government will ultimately set the emissions price for farmers. What do you make of all that? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the, the word that probably sums it up is poor, and the comment I would make is that it's no longer he Wakarekanai because it's been changed substantively. Um, I, I, I just really struggle, Angus. I, I just cannot believe that a government of New Zealand would come out with a plan, if you like, um, that would have one in five sheep and beef farmers disappearing into the Never Never Land. Um, mm. In my mind, that's just not acceptable. And one in 20 dairy farmers as well. Um, and, and I just think, 
people people are running are walking around sort of punch drunk with it. I mean, they've been under so much legislative pressure of late, and this will this will deal with, be the death knell for quite a few within the farming community. People are just um, fatigued by legislation, and um, I, I just don't get it. I just you know mm. how you get a room full of cockies and it's like any, many, miny, mo. You're the fifth one. You can go. Mm. Yeah, that is challenging. And these policy changes just seem to be endless, don't they? They just seem to keep lining up one after the other with seemingly no end in sight. Well, it certainly is becoming very, very hard for farmers to plan to the future because there is so much uncertainty out there currently. That's right, Angus. And I mean, the goalposts certainly aren't stationary. They just continually want to move. And what really worries me is... um, within the farming community, there's a sense of, yes, there's a sense of frustration and anger, but I think of late there's been a sense of despair and it's mm. quite palpable. And and that really worries me. And we're starting to see, I think we're starting to witness the beginning of a bit of an avalanche of people exiting the industry, both existing farmers. and um, But the really worrying part for me is um, tomorrow's farmers, you know, our younger people. And I know three young couples that have just had enough and they're right. looking to do elsewhere, and incredibly talented people. So it's mm. just a tragic loss to the mm. farming community. Mm. And a big part of this, of course, too, is afforestation and the current rate of afforestation and the ETS. I think the ETS is out of control. We're the only nation, I think, in the world that allows 100% of emissions to be offset. Do you think it's out of control? And should large emitting corporations be allowed to offset at the rate that they are? No, look, I absolutely agree with you. We are the only country that allows 100% of your carbon emissions to be offset. And um, and so, look, I, the, I always come back to a very basic premise, Angus, and do this, does this suite of policy settings around the ETS, does it pass or fail the sniff test? And mm. I would suggest that mm. it fails the sniff test by a significant margin. Mm. And, you know, we've, with 50 shades of green, I mean, we ask for a pause because the settings aren't right. And, and a lot of this damage will be irreversible. Mm. So the farming sector is, is under fire from all directions. We've got the ETS, I mean, gobbling up farmland left, right and centre. And, and it's the carbon allows the forest investors uh, financial advantage that other land use sectors don't get. Mm. So it's the scrum is screwed. And, and so we've got that. We've got the Hiwakari Kanoa overlaid on top of that. And um, it's just creating an extreme perverse um, outcomes. Mm, mm. So what's going to happen if we allow this rate of afforestation to continue to to not only farming, but rural communities as a whole? Well, I, I think it'll be a matter of last one out, last one out the door, turn off the light switch. Mm, um, mm. Because it becomes, it, beca- it, it turns into a domino effect. You know, when you're the last person up your road and your neighbours are all disappearing, um, your community's gone and you just go, well, look, there's not much point being here. And and I think that's extremely um, tragic. Yeah, and and in terms of companies um, offsetting their emissions, I mean, I I think there's a growing uh, public opinion on on that. Um, You know, if we go back to the emissions trading scheme, when that was originally set up, it was its primary intent was to provide a pricing mechanism to change emitters' behaviour at source. Mm. And that's the critical part. So, you know, if, if you're spewing carbon out of your factory or whatever you're doing, 
um, and, and just going and buying farmland and planting trees, you actually haven't changed your behaviour. Mm. Um, and, and we've got the Climate Change Commission, you know, finally saying um, it's plant and pollute. We've mm. got Simon Upton, the um, Parliamentary Commissioner for the Environment, who, who 2019 said that um, carbon emitters should not be able to offset with the biological method. Mm. And we also have a growing uh, voice from our trade partners um, around the world now frowning at the, our approach. Mm. And, and I just think it's uh, extremely short-sighted. Um, mm. People talk about, you know, this will buy us time, buy us time till we get technology. So why don't we just concentrate all our efforts on technology? Mm. Yeah, look, we are a food producing nation, one of the best on the planet, if not the best in terms of efficiency and sustainability currently. Yep. And of course, our primary sector is our biggest earner. It's so baffling, isn't it, why policymakers would want to jeopardise that or put that at risk. Yeah, you're right, Angus. And I think what we've got, classic case of um, politics have, has got in the way of common sense. And um, I think there's a large degree of virtue signalling going on. And you're right. I mean, we... 80, 80 odd percent of our export income that's new money coming into the country so it's not printed money it's new money um, comes from our primary sector mm. and, and that helps pay for our roading and our education and our healthcare. you could argue whether it's doing that very well at the moment but mm. Um, mm. you know it, it's and we're very very good at what we do we grow mm. we grow stuff really really well I mean in our our um, meat and milk and stuff is produced with about half of the carbon footprint per unit of production compared to the rest of the world. Mm. And, I mean, I, I just can't understand how, you know, the Paris Accord talks about reduce emissions in a manner that does not threaten food production. Mm. And so that's quite often overlooked. And we actually have a duty of care to grow carbon-efficient food like mm. we currently do. And yet the Hewaka record now, or the, the new... Um, the new Hiwakarekanoa, uh, or alternative, I should say, um, that modelling shows that if we lose one in, 20, one in five sheep and beef farmers, that production that they, or the, the, the meat and wool that they produce will be replaced elsewhere in the world. And the net increase, increase in global emissions is 133%. Mm. So yeah. I, I just, there's no logic behind that. Here we are, we're trying to reduce global emissions and yet we've come up with a policy that will not only destroy our economy, destroy our communities, but will increase global emissions. It's hard to make any real sense of where policymakers are at on this, because when you look at it logically, certainly through my eyes, it's not making a lot of sense at all. Um, no, you're right, Angus. And, and the logic has been defied. And, and the analogy I quite often use is the hare and the turtle, and because I don't think anyone's arguing too much about the destination um, but I think currently uh, all the proposals that's like the here we're, we're out of the starting blocks with the hiss and a roar and we've got no plan and all in our rush to um, get a medal around our neck on the finishing line the problem is we're actually never going to get to the finish line mm. we'll destroy this economy we'll destroy our environment and we'll destroy our communities mm. you know we need to take put the jug on have a cup of tea take a deep breath and be like the turtle, and move mm. at a pace that actually everyone can keep, keep, keep aside. You know, keep beside us, mm. each other. Mm. Mm. The challenges are real; they are there. Now, what are some? I talked to lots of people, 
there are some wonderful things happening out there on farm in terms of improving environmental outcomes when you look at catchment groups and these community groups. And you talked about technology. Well, of course, organizations like Ag Research are doing wonderful things in terms of the development of technology, which which will become available in the future, which will have a positive impact on emissions too. But what are some of the things you're seeing uh, or you might be applying at home on your farm or some of the things that are happening in your community? Yeah, um, yeah. Look, good point. And, and I would, I would um, make the comment that the farming community have probably spent more um, on the on their environment and protecting and enhancing the environment, despite what at times seems like a very loud narrative through the media. Mm. Um, the, the, for example, in the Wairapa here the other day, we had uh, the five thousandth QE two was registered right. across New Zealand. Um, there's about there's just a tick over five thousand. I think it's about. Um, I think it's about 5,020 or 23 or something like that, QE2 covenants. Now, they actually cover an area of about, um, I think it's a bit over 180,000 hectares. Mm. Now, the dairy sector, they've fenced off 34,000 kilometres of waterways. And to just mm. put that in perspective a little bit, that's about one and a quarter times uh, the distance from the North Pole to the South Pole. Mm. And that's only the stuff that's been officially captured or recognised um, there's a, there's some really good catchment uh, group stuff going on. Mm, you know, mm. people retire waterways. Certainly here in our uh, town block, we've fenced all, off all our waterways and just quietly um, planting riparian planting the natives. And uh, um, you know, and, and that's just uh, happening right across the board. Mm, mm. Now, on some of these big issues, I think it's important farmers have their say and make a submission. Are you encouraging farmers to make submissions? Yeah, look, absolutely. And um, and not only just farmers, Angus, I think, because this this proposal that they've got forward, I mean, it will, as Andrew Hoggard said, it will absolutely rip the guts out of not only the rural communities, but the provincial communities, the rural towns. So, um, you know, I, I sit there and think, <clears throat> yes, the immediate impact on the farming community, but all those service industries, um, yep. In, in, in all the towns, I mean, if you turned around to those people and said, hey, what's it look like if you lose 20% of your um, of your business? Um, it will just rip the guts out of rural New Zealand. Yep, and, 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 and it's actually broad, isn't it? It's actually anybody yeah. who fronts up the supermarket to buy food, they're going to wear it at the checkout if, if we lose oh. 20% of production. Oh, look, absolutely, Angus. And I mean, the, the spin that's being put on it is that we're going to get paid so much more for our product or produce overseas. And um, nobody's really actually joined the dots and said, well, what's that mean for uh, New Zealanders? The average New Zealander, yeah, grocery, quite. Yeah. The grocery bill. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, well, we just import our food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, I absolutely encourage people to, um, to make submissions, and they don't have to be technical. Um, mm. They can be just really basic in terms of how it impacts you and what you think. And it was really interesting, Federated Farmers and Beef and Lamb did a survey the other day and uh, commissioned a uh, survey through Curia, and 57% of the public uh, don't support this in its current format, 27% against and 17% don't know. And that's quite a significant number. So I think it's important to remember that even though it feels like we're on our own, there's a large percentage of the population that actually do support us. Indeed. Look, it's been great chatting to you. I really appreciate your time today. Look, absolutely no problem at all. I like the hare and the turtle analogy, and he's right. We have flown out the gate all right, but I'd go a step further. Perhaps we are more like an unbroken thoroughbred. 
been given a start. The gates fly open, the horse is running at a gallop, but it has no idea where it's going or where the finish line actually is. And the jockey is trying its best to keep the horse from crashing through the rails on the other side. Mike is also correct in saying that the export money farmers create is new money. It's not printed money. We produce food that has a considerably lower emissions profile than anywhere else in the world. And the Paris Accord does state that emission reduction aspirations should not be at the expense of food production. So current policymakers have a plan. Their plan is to cut New Zealand's food production by 20%, increase global emissions by sending that 20% of food production to a country that cannot produce food as efficiently as we can here. And whilst they are at it, cull our expert revenue and kill off rural communities. Not to mention, leave the landscape covered in pine trees. You have to ask yourself the question, is this a train wreck? If it's left alone and allowed to happen, it sure looks that way. And if you think prices are high now at the checkout, you wait until an emissions tax comes into effect, which, by the way, current policymakers want to set themselves in their Wellington offices. Have your say on this. Make a submission and help New Zealand's greatest asset, our farmers. Head to Dairy NZ, Beef and Lamb or Federated Farmers websites to have your say. That's all from me this week. Thank you for listening and catch you next time.